The claws are coming out. Both Wolverine and Sabretooth are about to tear into some stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm going to save my comments about Wolverine till we get to that. Whoa. It's an interesting week of comics, y'all. It's a loaded week. It's a loaded week. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. I'm sorry, what was that? I'm just <laughs> Okay. Um, wow. Wow. Wow this week. This week was like a 50-50 for me. Yeah, no, that's fair. It was like night and day, the first three comics versus the second three comics. It's like 60-40. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Let's talk about what it is that we're even talking yeah, about. Yeah, give me that rundown. We're talking about X-Men Unlimited number 60, Ooh. X-Men Legends number 4, Judgment Day Omega, Marauders number 8, Legion of X number 7, Wolverine number 27, and Sabretooth and the Exiles number 1. Wow, what a week. What a week indeed. But before we get into those comics, we probably have to talk about the news. The news. Wakanda Forever comes out this week. I am so excited. As of recording this, we have not seen it. So, no, not yet. You know, be kind to the internet and your friends. Yeah. I heard nothing but good things. Yeah, from the movie. Yeah, just no spoilers, please. I mean, that's really this. That's, that's it. That's, that's it. The news it about it's it's here. Uh, we're going on Sunday. Yep. And we're excited. Taking my dad. Marvel's Midnight Suns, the mm-hmm. video game. Yes. Recruits Scarlet Witch and Magic in a new teaser video. Oh. I figured you would particularly be interested in those two characters being recruited to the team. I did see a teaser video. Yeah. So they're releasing these every week leading up to the release of the video game early December. Mm hmm. And each one kind of builds together the team. Interesting. The video I saw was like a compilation of all of them. It was like, we're going to need all these people, not just Doctor Strange. That was probably the beginning of the video that I'm talking about because it was seven minutes. Okay. And then it kept on going. And then it had a little animated featurette. Oh, cool. Where Wanda and Agatha are talking about Ilyana. Oh. We get to see her in action. Nice. I, I don't know that I've actually seen gameplay. I've just seen these animated cutaways. Yeah. So that's concerning. But I'm sure it's going on PS5. Like, it's going to be great. It's going to be a video game. Yeah, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't really play many video games. So it's hard for me to hard for me to say. Judge. Speaking of Judge. Oh, I thought Judgment Day was over. What What is there to speak of? Well, I mean, first of all, it's not because we got an issue today right but then but then there's an article on marvel what axe judgment day means for the marvel universe basically breaking it down (laughs) big picture basically if you didn't read it you didn't read it you need to but you want the cliff notes and you didn't listen to any podcasts or anybody else talking about it the one thing that i thought was really interesting was in the big changes for krakoa in the big changes for krakoa and arako we talk about Uranus killing a multitude of key characters, including Magneto. Although mutant death is not particularly permanent thanks to Krakoa's resurrection protocols, Magneto previously destroyed his Cerebro backup and expressed his desire to not be resurrected. That means a key mutant character is off the board for the time being, and any attempt to resurrect him could have massive consequences. 
Ooh. So a couple of things: the fact that Marvel is doubling down on that. They're right? saying so that he's he's out of commission. He's for off the table. While. You know, we we gave you a couple of issues, like basically a full month to let that set in. We gave you some time to grieve. Right. We we basically preempted it with the fact that oh wow, did Uranus just kill Magneto and we had no fanfare about it? And they're like, no, the he's now going to. <laughs> we, we have two issues of fanfare coming with some epic team ups with him and Storm. And then a. Subtle nod to his funeral this week. Yeah. So it's it's real. It's happening. It's there. The thing that's on my mind, mm-hmm. I think it was Sinister, and I think it was in a past issue of Immortal X-Men where he's talking about just making a football team of, of Magnetos. Magnetos. Now he's dead. Is that off the table? Like, can we play with his mutant powers? Is that where... And I'm not like, you know, comic nerd Justin is like, yo, let's do it. Krakoa sympathizer Justin is like oh that's sacred and unholy but his powers is one thing himself and his husk and his being is something else sure sure so I don't know well I don't know I see like I feel like we've already played in this with Proteus having husks of Xavier just at command that being his thing right Mm -hmm. and so you now have at least the powers of Magneto to, to kind of divide it across those lines to, I don't know what, you, you want to resurrect someone and, and add in a little Magneto? You're going down the Chimera roads. I, I am. I Maybe bit, Magneto I, won't be in existence, but North will be. That's what I'm saying. Like, how do we get to North without starting this line of questioning? We don't. Well, I think it's a conversation that North is a different... Like his soul, his person is different than that of Magneto. So can you, I'm just trying to think like, what if you, what if you had a husk, a body of, I guess, Magneto or, or some other, like, I'm just like, how do you, how do you make your, a new mutant from this process? Mm-hmm. Right. And, and this was basically what Nemesis was hinting at in way of X. Like you know, there's, you want to make more mutants. We can make more mutants. We can just mm-hmm. dream them up. We can do whatever we want. Right. Science. I'm just curious, like, where do you get the genetic template for that? If you combined two mutants DNA and it basically made them have a, a child and then threw in some other mutant powers into that, was the, is that possible? Is that kosher? Are we are we talking you about that? You sound like Orcus. Or Sinister. Yeah, I guess. Orcus, that hurts. Like that That was just uncalled for. I'm not saying like, and then we use that to kill the mutants. <laughs> that would be Orcus. Yeah, yeah. Just, I don't know. I, I don't know. But I also, there's also a part of me that's like, yeah, Magneto is amazing and his power set is amazing. But there are also so many other mutants that are amazing. Like, we don't necessarily need to go down that road. Sure. Sure. Like, save that for the day that Magneto comes back. And then, yeah, I guess then in that sense it is. It's sacred. Huh. All right. Disagree. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I go back to, and even as you were saying it, so we were talking about North, right? That's Mm -hmm. the character from Powers of Ten, the future where Apocalypse is leading this mutant team. And then the idea that Forge is playing with mutant powers in a suit right now. Mm -hmm. Like the seeds are there. And there was a third thing. I can't remember it right now. There was a, I had a third point. I had a third point, you know. Everybody else is already playing with mutant genes. Might as well get in the game. All right. Make me some new mutants, Dr. Nemesis. I'm into it. Okay. Well, 
I feel you, but I also feel that there are lots of mutants who are underutilized to oh, get, yeah, yeah, get, for sure. get the spotlight. You for know? sure. Oh, that was the that was the third point. Oh. Omega level mutants yes. are our most prized natural resource. Uh-huh. Right? There's a specific quote from I don't I don't know what issue. I can't tell you that. <laughs> you can't? No. Magneto's power is omega level. Magneto mm-hmm. himself an omega level moon. You're just going to leave okay, but, the greatest natural resource on the shelf like that? But I would argue that it's also been said that through resurrections, mutants get stronger and stronger and stronger. So who's to say that another mutant that has been resurrected multiple times would not then become an omega level mutant? Yeah, I mean, we're trying to have that happen with sync. Right. So all of these pieces are there. That we're talking about. They're mm-hmm. all there. And I feel like it's only a matter of months before they start to intertwine. Right. And I'm just, take You're me there. You're really excited. Take for me it. there. You're ready. Sins of happen. Sinister. Nightcrawlers. Let's go. I'm I'm so ready for Sins of Sinister. All right. We're getting Spider-Man for a little bit. Oh. We're so still I, in the news. We're so, still in the know. news. <laughs> that, was, that was a long, like, what can we dream? But I have been on a Spider-Man. So I, I finished Astonishing X-Men, or at least the original run the 24 issues and the giant sized ran through that and then i started going down a rabbit hole of spider-man oh no and it brought me to one more day yeah which i'm not sure if i actually read before Before like i knew the story i knew the general plot points but i'm reading it's four issues very light and very impactful i was gonna say light light in terms of (laughs) reading but no i cried like i I cried at the end of it i I don't know how much i want to get into it but it just it, it made me think a lot about where Peter and MJ are now in the comics mm-hmm. of the Amazing Spider-Man series and a certain alternate dimension mutant that likely will never be because of those actions. Mm. But also there was, so I, in addition to One More Day, yes. I then read the entire Beyond storyline, which was the arc in Amazing Spider-Man before it relaunched under Zeb Wells and John Romina Jr. Mm-hmm. And details the most recent arc of Ben Riley. So you're getting ready for Dark Web so that when I have questions, you could be like, here's the answer. Yeah, I mean, that was a long arc to just be like, oh, yeah, Ben's crazy now. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, you know, is it satisfying? I don't know. It was interesting. And I it was kind of unique the way that they did it. And we'll we'll get into that when we get into that. But that gives me that piece, right? Right. We're talking about Amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. In the last couple of pages of this week's issue of Amazing Spider-Man, so we're all about Madeline, right? We're all about the Goblin Queen. Yeah, we're all about her. But there's also the Queen Goblin. Wait, what? What? And she has reared her head. So she's from the Beyond Arc. Oh. And she has now appeared in Amazing Spider-Man. I think she's going to have something to do with either Dark Web or the Fallout afterwards. Oh, interesting. She's got her own story. She's She is a goblin who is a queen. Yeah, I mean, yes. She's not a goblin? Well, she's a goblin in the sense that she's like green goblin. Got it. Okay. Not like a limbo goblin. Oh, okay. Demon. Different kind of goblin. Demons and goblins, they're different. They're different. But but Madeline is the Goblin Queen, which is she's not the Demon Queen. Right, that's magic. Sure, you know it's very complicated. It is. <laughs> but last, 
but last. not least. Okay. In the Spider-Man run of stories. This week, we saw Venom number 13 come out. Ooh. Oh, surprise comic revealed. It's in your hands. It's in my hands. That's deliciously tempting. It says, spinning the dark web in the top right corner. A little preamble to what will come in dark web on our last page. Mm -hmm. Not revealing too much, but Miss Madeline Pryor. (gasps) Look at her. So we get an appearance of Madeline Pryor. In the story. It really has nothing to do with Dark Web up until that point. Or, it's like, or, here she is. Right. It's like, oh, hey, maybe these two characters will be connected because of this issue. Yes, they will. Dope. So at least that tells you where Venom might fall Yeah. in the divide of who's on whose side. I like it. I have some news. Okay. I don't have all the details yet, um, but I will say that there is a... Hellfire Gala event that will be taking place at LA Comic Con this year, and I will be participating in that. So uh, as those details come out, I will make sure to share them with you all. And if you're going to be at LA Comic Con, make sure you come check it out because it's really something special and I'm super excited about it. Yeah. I won't be there, but I'll be there in spirit. In my heart, you'll be there. In your heart. Is it time to talk about comics? It's time to talk about the poll. Oh. Our last bit of news. I don't know how to answer this poll. You have to. We've now built the cadence that you are able to, you have a pulse of the people. Who won the poll? There are four entries into the poll. We have six comics in front of us. Okay. What are the four entries? I cut away X-Men Legends and Judgment Day Omega. Mainly because Judgment Day Omega had nothing to do with Krakoa, except for like two pages. So we're looking at Marauders, Legion of X, Wolverine, and Sabretooth and the Exiles. Yes. (sighs) Okay. I'm going to say that it was really close between Wolverine and Sabretooth and the Exiles. And that... uh, er, And that... Sabretooth and the Exiles won. And I'm going to say it was like pretty close. I'm going to say like Marauders got like 3%, if anything. Then this is not going to be realistic math because I'm just throwing numbers out there. But then like... Just tell me how much how much Sabretooth got. How much do you think Sabretooth got? 43%. 52% wow. for Sabretooth and the Exiles. A clear winner for Book of the Week. 52%? Yeah. Wolverine in second place with 21%. Okay, okay. Legion of X with 14%. Not far behind. Not far behind. Marauders in fourth place, which was a, a shift in the last couple of minutes throughout the day. Legion of X had no votes at the beginning of the day. How many percents did Marauders get? Did anyone vote for Marauders? 12 One vote behind Legion of X. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know Sabretooth and the Exiles was really good, but I also thought Wolverine was really good. So. Oh, yeah. I mean, he had a much larger lead before we started recording. Mm, Interesting. Interesting. Over the other two. We did have a big picture question from Gilbert Rojo 1022. What was your favorite of the week? Okay. It was really difficult for me, but I think... My favorite of the week was Wolverine Whoa. because of the amount of rage. Like that book made me feel so much. And 
I loved Sabretooth and the Exiles as well. But I think the reaction that Wolverine stirred in me makes it my top pick for the week. Interesting. Yours I'm, is I'm, definitely I'm Sabretooth. Yeah, yeah, I'm Sabretooth. Sorry. But Wolverine was great. But Sabretooth was amazing. Yeah. All right. Well, X-Men Unlimited. Poll, poll is done. Let's talk about X-Men Unlimited. Number 60. Hope and Danny talking about fears. I am all for this issue. I loved it. Yeah, I loved it, except I had no idea what was going on at the end. Yeah, I, I'm confused because, okay, so essentially, as a quick little recap, Hope is experiencing this debilitating fear in darkness and she doesn't know where it's coming from because she's claiming it's not her fear and then she goes in on this little exploratory journey with danny with her safe word being platypus yeah so that she can kind of explore what this fear is because danny's power has the ability to extract your greatest fear or your greatest desire and manifest it in real life yes so at the end, it seems like Hope is, she's running from someone who turns out to be herself. Yeah. But then she's like, no, that's not my fear. I, I'm not afraid of me. It wasn't me. So I think what she's saying <laughs> is that she has synced or she has, because like her powers are basically sync's powers, essentially. Got it. To a degree. So someone is afraid of her. Someone is afraid of her and she is getting that as part of her mentality like she she's feeling that interesting interesting i mean i loved this issue because i love danny and i really like getting to explore her powers and her personality and just see her present in a book and i thought this was a really interesting concept and i also it made me appreciate hope a little bit more because she she has a lot of like weight on her shoulders. The Messiah. And, yeah, I thought that was funny when Exodus was like, "What is it, Messiah? What is wrong?" But you know, she she feels like she can't have this weakness because if this strikes her in someone's time of need, she won't be able to follow through and fulfill her commitment to saving them. Right. And I thought that was a really interesting character moment. I will say. There's something about, I think this artist is the same artist. As the maggot story. As the maggot story. And I think I've figured out what it is that I don't like about the art. And I think that for my personal taste, this artist draws female characters with more masculine features than I would like. And I think that's what it is. Because the art as a whole, I like. It's just the faces, really, that I'm not a huge fan of. And I think it's like the more masculine features facial features on characters that I perceive to be more feminine. I don't I don't enjoy as much. But All right. didn't stop me from really enjoying the issue. This issue written by Torun Gronbeck, art by Philip Savy, colorist Cece de la Cruz, letters Josebino. He sees Josebino. Joining the team. On to X-Men Legends, high level. High level X-Men Legends. Hey, I do want to call out, we have Mojo and Longshot in the house. Mojo and Longshot in the house. Did you know that Longshot only has four fingers on each hand? No. Did you see that in the cover? I didn't. I didn't catch it. Not going to lie to you. All right. So no page turn noise for X-Men Legends because we're going high level. So one thing I have to say is I, I really was really into General Pride's outfit and her look. I think I said that 
in the last issue, but we saw so much more of it this issue. Yeah. Essentially, the war movie is going on. First, Wolverine and Kitty don't know that they're in it. Then they know that they're in it. And Mojo's team is like upset with him and plotting plotting against against him. him. And in the end, that plotting results in Kitty and Wolverine being brought back to where they came from and Spiral winning an award and Mojo getting upset about it. Yeah. The Spiralverse is taking over. Spiral World or whatever. There's also a lot of commentary on like sexism. Yep. And I thought that was interesting. I mean, that that is the draw of Mojo is that it's very referential on the time. And Mm. that was, I read an interview with Ann Nacenti, the writer of this issue, about the fun of being able to revisit this character, this construct that she created late 80s and was pretty ahead of her time in doing this as a criticism of the media and big Hollywood. And then to continue to go into that, this is really interesting. One thing I also thought was kind of fun was there's a moment where, you know, when when they're back and Kitty is saying, like, I don't want to be just a second rate X-Men anymore. Like I'm destined for greater things. And, you know, though she doesn't become a general, she does become a captain. So sure. I thought she was kind of like because ref- Wolverine was like, you have to be a general to lead an army. And she's like, maybe one day. And it's like, well, she does lead a team now. So right. that's kind of cool. Yeah. Written by Anne Nascenti, art by Javier Pina, colors by Jim Campbell, letters Joe Caramagna. A VC? And, uh, Is there a VC in Giuseppe Camuncoli and Jean-Francois Berlieu. I'm going to say that meant, yes, there's a VCs in there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. They are cover artists with that long shot cover. Mm. Are you excited? No. Oh. oh. <laughs> I, I mean, I enjoyed this issue more than the last one. Me too. I still struggle to get excited about X-Men Legends. I just feel like I was never really excited about them and, and only started to get excited because of the last couple of issues of the first volume and i just you know i want to like them the next arc is bishop and it's before he appears like what leads him to come to our time and to join up with the x-men so that's really cool that is cool and i thought you were going to ask me if i was excited about judgment day omega I was, oh, and then okay. I realized that I had a thought, and we have a question. Got it, got it. Okay, because I was going to say, I too enjoyed this more than the last one. I did like pick it up and, and groan about having to read it. Yeah, you did. And then I read it, and I was like, oh, I actually enjoyed that much more than the first one. Mendo Mutato needs N. Nascenti on a monthly book after reading this X-Men Legends. Ooh, I okay. agree. I mean, yeah, I think the writing was great. She, in her interview, she talks about how she's basically like one of those old bands that they trot out onto stage and they make <laughs> them play their greatest hits. I mean, like, it's a great metaphor because Longshot is certainly one of her greatest hits. Mm-hmm. But it's just fun. It's just that fun is to fun. think of. All right. Are you ready to end officially for now and forevermore? I got so scared when you said for now. Yeah, you yes. reacted too quick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Judgment I am. Day Omega, number one. I am. Are we going high level or are we going inside? I mean, a mix. I'm just, I need to know if it needs a page turn noise. Yeah, give it a page turn noise. Okay. We, we, we did this full event <laughs> for you. For me? Don't, don't you put that on me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to do a super cut. 
all the times I said we need to read the whole event? That we need to read the whole event, that we need to read every issue, we need to talk about it on the podcast. All right. We did this whole event for me. Page turn noise. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I do like the cover as a conceptual, they all fall down, right? They've been cast out by humans, these Eternals, because this is an Eternals issue. Let's be upfront. This is not an X-Men issue. Correct. This is, hey, what happens with the Eternals now? Yes. We get a little context of Ajax's death and the progenitor's final judgment in our recap. Written by Karen Gillan, art by Guyu Villanova, colors Andres Mosa letters Travis Lanham. He sees Travis Lanham. That cover Pasquale Ferry and Matt Hollingsworth. And our lineup page confirming my suspicion this is an Eternals issue. <laughs> Whatever. Indeed it is. And Makari is kicking us off with some story time, a little hieroglyphic history, basically summing up the last issues of the event title. She's essentially making a comic book. <laughs> you know, it's got yeah. words, it's got images, and it's also the greatest form of storytelling, as indicated by, I believe, the machine. Yes. It is a good recap, and it is a good setup of what seems to be a somewhat refreshed version of the Eternals ideology. Oh, yeah. Well, um, especially as we get into the heresies yes. of Ajax Celestia. Yes. I like that we get this little, uh, I don't know, is it a newsletter? <laughs> Eternals newsletter yeah. situation? A little report for the Prime Eternal. Eros has a new role. They know for now. The humans know about our resurrections for now. We'll see. They forget. We live on forever. What are they going to do? Write it down in one of their books? <laughs> Probably. It's happened before. It'll happen again. We just got to wait this out. We have a treaty with the mutants. I like that. Mutants is in quotes. Right. Well, it's because deviants, right? Yeah. We are giving human reparations for all that murder. <laughs> We're going to say, sorry we killed y'all. Yeah. Sort and of. Rejection of Ajax, her theses, and heresies. She bad, don't follow. Against the rules. Yeah. We're going back to the start of Eternal's beginning of the run. This is Toby's mother. So Icarus came to their family and was like, your son's going to die. I had this premonition about your son dying. I'm here to protect him. So um, Icarus is back alive. Sure. Everybody is. Everybody came back. Not everybody. When did he die? I guess the progenitor killed him. No. No. He killed Cersei. Somebody killed him. He died fighting the progenitor, did he not? Anybody that died fighting the progenitor... Got rebooted. Except for Cersei. Except for Cersei, who was explicitly killed by the progenitor because the humans hated her. <laughs> I guess. Well, that's good, because I didn't really know who Toby was. Toby was the kid, and the, the twist is that Icarus dying was what killed Toby. I gathered that. Right. And we got some rage mama as she is taking it out on Icarus. As she should. As she should. And then the meetup that I have been waiting for for a little while. Scene and Sally, you're a killer. But can I also, when I come back, can I be like generational pen pals with your ancestors or with your descendants? Yeah. Your future descendants? I would like to share my poetry and read theirs, please. You know what I thought of, which is 
so silly, but there's that episode of Friends where Joey is in a play about a guy who like travels like to space or time or whatever and he like climbs up a ladder and then he comes back down from his spaceship and he was like this was his wife and now it's like his wife's grandchild or something that he's like now I'll love your grandchildren or something (laughs) and that's all I could think of all right but I do like this this kind of like you're a monster but like you write good poetry and like I I get it so, yeah, we could still be friends. Yeah, yeah. Well, friends from a distance. Right. The Temple of Ajax Celestia. Her worshippers keeping her in check. The lessons of Cersei. <laughs> Just, I wrote skate better. <laughs> skate better. Be better. Reject your internal programming for what's right. Our new marching orders. So this data page, Ajax Celestia's theses on the principles. They're not that much different. I mean, they are essentially not taking the principles at face value. Mm -hmm. They are interrogating them a little bit and separating herself from just blind observation. Mm -hmm. Right. So protect the celestials, but also from themselves. Celestials can be foul. Right. Protect the machine. The machine is all of Earth. It's the whole society. We protect one another, not just the machine that is Earth. Mm Mm-hmm. Correct excess deviation. Remove dangerous predators from the environment, which is a, a different read on that right. as a principle. That one was a, a big difference, I, I felt. And an added, you have 24 hours to justify yourself. Every day matters, and we should act like it. Act where we can as often as we can. Judgment Day continues on forever and ever and ever. Every day is Judgment Day. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. On to the exclusion. Uranus gets his next mission. All right, so, well, you're going to get pimped out for an hour. He's so giddy about it. He's yeah. like, that's fine, and until then, I will throw Druig around. <laughs> you mean I get to murder for the people I just murdered? Great. I have a punching bag here. I get to murder. A little catch up with Crow and Thana. They're in love? They were in love? Who knows? He he loves everyone. The The complexities of loving an eternal i thought that was really poetic and Mm. sad and just knowing that well if you fall in love with an eternal you know that you're going to die before they do right there's a whole movie about it yeah on to krakoa for our only mutant relative point as fastos is welcomed by wolverine in a very unique way i was like welcome yeah and there's a message for krakoa because when the celestials came to earth and gave the programming to the machine, there was something already here that gave them a template for what could be this interconnected machine. Which is insane. Which is Krakoa. Which is insane. Right, right, yeah. And like, what is that going to mean? That... That feels big. It is. It's very offhanded in one little point of just like, okay, goodbye, mommy, daddy, self, other... Right, and like the the word self right. makes me think of warlock. Yeah. The way that it's phrased, but I guess it could just be like a machine thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like opposites, like myself versus other, Got mommy it. and daddy. Yeah. You, you are both parts of my Got it. birth, okay. but also you are me, you are me and but not me. you are the rest, right? Okay. Icarus has his retirement plan. He shaved his head. Yeah, it's... Not really doing anything to hide the super suit, though. 
No. He's, the Eternals are our team from the movie, essentially. They're going to live amongst the people. This is Ajax Celestia's assignment. Give back to them. Be a part of them. The heretics walk among you. I it's love a- the guy who said, when he says, <laughs> well, I'll certainly remember the melodramatic guy in the rain. Thank you. As he changes this tire and just materializes a tire for this family. I have a tire. Yeah. I don't need a jack. And then this great page of all of them just saving the people. Saving the people in their regular human clothes so no one, I guess, knows that they are Eternals. They just just... think they're regular super-powered people. Right. So we got two teams of Eternals, which is a pretty interesting place to leave us at, and a, a really different status quo and division amongst them. You have your Prime Eternal and everybody that follows him and his rule, and then they have this team of heretics, as they're being referred to, that follow the word of Ajax Celestia. As we see the continued reverberations onto... Avengers, Immortal X-Men, and X-Men Red. I already know you didn't like it. It was fine. It was fine. It's over now. Are there questions? Was that necessary? The issue? Yeah. Well, I would say no, except for the whole thing about Krakoa. That felt like a really important nugget of information. And it's a loaded question because... I'm saying that from a mutant fan perspective, because if I was just an Eternals fan coming to this event because I really loved Kieran's work on that run, yeah, this was totally necessary. Right, because it sets up what's happening next with the Eternals. Right, except doesn't actually announce the title or tell us where to find them. Right. But that's But it does feel like a good, like, it's closure. Yeah. If this is how it wrapped up, it's like, you know, oh, these Eternals are doing this thing and these guys are doing this thing. And it feels like, you know, the end of a movie kind of. Yeah. Like the, the scene it's after the big bottle, yeah, the battle. Yeah. You know, there's always that like wrap up scene at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everyone's got an Omega. Warline pointed out how Krakoa is older than all human races and the template of the machine. That's good to know. Hopefully it's something important to be mm-hmm. used something and not just forgotten. I feel like that's a, and especially for Kieran to have introduced that as the idea, there was previous references to the fact that the machine knows Krakoa. Right. In the Eternals run. It was like, yeah, the machine knows Krakoa. Good guy. That's that's basically it. Nothing explored further. But now we know even more Mm. of their connection. I think it was cool. Marauders? All right, Marauders. Marauders number eight. I mean, I like this cover. I'm always happy to see Peach Momoko on covers. You know. And she is the A cover artist for the next handful of issues. So that's cool. that's great. Yeah. I love the cover. All right. Here we go. Page turn noise. A little threshold flashback in our first page. Steve Orlando loves doing this where it's like the first page is a thread that's going to be a story some other time. Maybe later in this issue. But... All of the other issues, it was like that first page, it's what Lockheed's doing. It's, you know, it's what Brimstone Love and folks are doing. Yeah. Help us, thresholders. You're our only hope. And we go right to a title page. Secret Origin of a Species. Here Comes Yesterday, Part 2. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Eleonora Carlini. Colors, Matt Miller. Letters in production, Ariana Maher. VCs, Ariana Maher. And that cover, like I said, is Peach Momoko. Mm-hmm. Into the tubs. 
Okay, this is giving off some real hot tub time machine vibes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, they're talking <laughs> about time travel. In a hot tub. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And they're concerned. They've got reservations about this time traveling mission. Well, here's the thing. They make a lot of valid points. Oh, yeah. no. This... Time travel is consistently... The worst. The worst. And it's so risky. And... It always has some terrible results, and it's why I hate it. But at the same time, I really love and appreciate Kate's conviction to saving mutants, saving mutants and not serve it. Like, you know, the argument is, well, this could destroy Krakoa as we know it. And her argument is, we don't serve Krakoa, we serve mutants. But at the same time it could also destroy time mutants. travel is risky right. it, and this isn't like a quick time travel this is like billions, billions of years like you go back 20 years and you sneeze the wrong way and right there's a butterfly effect right right you go back 2 billion years there's got to be something that erases this journey or something well, because i i can't imagine that they're going to be able to do Whatever it is that they end up doing in this issue and beyond, and everything's going to be fine. Well, the other thing I was thinking when I was reading this issue is, you know, there's the box, right? And the box that is made of Mysterium that has pride on it in They've Krakoan. They've already done it. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Right. Exactly. Like, they, that's how is, the box got there. This is 10 lives of Wolverine all over again. I can't. Anyway. They've already traveled back in time. That's already part of the timeline. Right. Exactly. Which is just a circular brain muck <laughs> i did like the fact that marauders aren't krakoa you know we we operate where we need to not mm -hmm. where the council says but this is a big threat then we're gonna get this little bopping around journey to learn about each of the three thresholders in a little deeper dive into what makes them tick and uh what makes this guy, Tick, Crave. Crave, is just eating everything. That's what Literally he does. Literally everything. Bullets? Yeah, let's try it. Plates? I'm here for it. Right? Maggot's here. So it means he's back to life, which is he great. They laughed because he called Eenie and Meenie gut demons. Gut demons. Yeah, that was great. I really do like the character art. Yes. Right? So this is the original artist on mm -hmm. Marauders. Back in... I just feel like there was a, a vocal response, even from us included, from the beginning. But I just... I don't know. It's grown on me a lot. Yeah. Like, I really like the way, like, all these close-ups of Kate. I'm into it. It's better. It's, I shouldn't say it's better. It could be exactly the same. I've just become accustomed to it. That's what it is. Out from the Green Lagoon and into the mountains, where Cassandra and Amass are hanging out, talking the differences between Threshold and Krakoa. Cassandra, 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 dropping those little hints that you know more than you're telling everyone. Right. Like, come on, you're part of a team. Yeah, is she? No, but that's just just the way that she's like, I warn them and they do it anyway. And then she just, she, but she lives for the joy of the battle at the same time. Like, she knows things are going to go wrong, but she wants to be there when they go wrong. Yeah, I love this idea of her power being survival. The idea that Cassandra doesn't follow the rules of Krakoa, she follows her own rules right. for the survival of mutants, for the survival of mutant kind. You know, I, I warned them not to go back and they did it anyway, because if I hadn't warned them not to do it, they wouldn't have done it. Right. Who knows? 
She's pulling the strings all around. Cut to the beach. Cut to the beach. Tempo and Thea talking about the risks of the journey ahead. I feel a little... I read this and then I was like, is there a little love connection here? And I mean, then we get that... The jab from Fang. Ooh. Yeah. Breaking in the new bodies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do love the beach cascading, you know, the, mm-hmm. the water coming in around and around the bubble. Yeah. It's magical. It's time to go see Jumbo and get some new suits. Jumbo and his new assistant, Stitch, talking about time travel proof threads. Your livery, which is it's referred to a couple times. Your mm. livery, your new outfits. And they're going to get those new outfits on and they're going to... I thought it was interesting that they're they're popping in, Christian's hooking them up with some transportation, and there's this moment of like, oh yeah, and if you, like, this mention of there could be a frost in the past. You never know. Yeah, I just, I guess I wanted it to be more than it was. I'm, I was like, a frost? Back in Marauders? Okay. It's only the first issue. I guess that's true. What do you... What are your thoughts on this uh, jumbo smoosh of a mutant? Oh, that's terrifying. (laughs) Haunt my dreams. (laughs) It's cool in the sense that it combines all of their powers. It's insane as you can see each of everyone's eyeballs onto the face. Yeah. But just this idea that like this is a new form of a ship, you know? Right. Like that's how they're traveling. Because once they get there, they like. break apart and be their own selves which made me think as i was watching uh reading that wouldn't it have made more sense to use all your powers together to fight this thing instead of breaking off into individual weaker fighters yeah maybe i do like the the page where they're all kind of like checking in yeah like this station is ready and this station is ready i don't know if it's because they were having difficulty coordinating themselves as a full unit that made them think it would make more sense to split apart Mm, maybe we got that data page resistance log from the thresholders shortly after the three are sent into the future they made the bacteria yeah foolish right, right so i mean that's this is what you get when you make genocidal bacteria and you infuse them with hate and they turn on you and you're like, oh, no, what'd we do? Oh, no. Maybe we're not worth saving. Right. <laughs> Maybe we're all just a bunch of beasts. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, no. And they're time landing. So the Marauders land. Wrong date. Come they, in a couple weeks or a couple days. I don't know. They didn't go back as far as they wanted to. Right. And now they're in the middle of the you-know-what hitting the fan. The war between Archaea and Sublime and all of the mules they've infected. It's not looking good. But it's looking gorgeous for this fight as we break apart and get our individual mutants fighting. You can't kill Kate. You just can't. Sorry, bro. No. Let's not even try. As this mace tries to slice through her. But the others, the others are not doing so hot. Well, Cassandra especially. Because the way that she calls out for Charles. Well, it's it's this mutant's power seemingly bringing her to her most breaking memories, right? right? So her original... Her original death, essentially. Right. 
murdered in the womb by her brother. And then, oh no, you're not going to be injured because Fang's going to save you. But oh no, just kidding. I mean, he does, but uh, things happen poorly for him in that he's infected. So these self-healing suits, which I thought was an interesting addition, right? Probably because we all know that they're bacteria, so they're trying to find ways in. Not only can this not heal fast enough to protect Fang, but even his healing factor cannot dispel the bacteria. Right. And that conversation of if he can't heal, like we're all screwed, basically. Right. Like, well, What have we gotten ourselves into? Yeah, kind of. And now Fang has turned into Sublime? Yes. Well, Fang has been overcome with the bacteria that is Sublime and is now one of his mules. Oh, goodness gravy. Next, double crossing the threshold. With Sublime. But first we have our, our last data page, a resistance log. Just basically underscoring that's what you get for creating sentient biological <laughs> warfare. There's no way out of infection except for death. Right. It's really like one of those situations where you think, how, how, how are they getting out of this? Like what's, are they all going to just die? Because it's, when you're like, think of them like zombies, right? Like zombies... They don't need to eat, to refuel, to sleep. They just keep coming. Right. And multiplying because once they bite you, then you're a zombie and their army grows and they don't they don't need any recovery time. Whereas the people who are fighting them need recovery time. So how is it that the marauders are going to get through this? I don't know. I, do they all just die? Again? And then, then it doesn't matter that they even went back in time because right. they didn't change anything at all. Right. And then maybe in that way, they also reduce the bacteria to more of a, a a contained bit. I don't know. And how does that work? Like, okay, this is going to be potentially a, a crazy time travel question. But let's say you're the Marauders and I'm someone who's still on Krakoa. Okay, and you're going on this mission. So I say, okay, peace out. I will like I have no way of monitoring how long it's been that you've been gone to know if you should be resurrected. And I also wouldn't know if you did something that changed the future and then the future version of me doesn't even know that you went on this mission. Right. So if they all die there, how... Well, there's also the the concept of if you go back in time and you make this butterfly effect, doesn't that create a new timeline? Or is that always having been destined to happen? Right. Right. Well, that's just based on your theories of time travel. And I I believe, as we saw in Days of Future Past, and even with Omega Sentinel coming back into the 616, Moira 10B, it creates a branch timeline. And what are they even doing? What is the point of going back? I don't know. We need a story. What did you think? No, we don't. What did you think of this? I liked it better than I've liked past issues. I still feel like there is a bit of information overload. Yeah. And I, I just think this story isn't that interesting to me. Like, I don't feel compelled by it to know what happens next. Like, this version of all of them could get lost in time, and I'd be like, all right, let's give me some new ones. (laughs) Hit the refresh button. It's kind of how I feel. I mean, it's definitely 
more interesting and engaging to me than it was before, but I think it's just the specific storyline that I feel more drawn to some of the other books that are out there. So it's just, it's a book, I read it, it's part of the X line. It's not like unenjoyable. It's just not the yeah. top of my list anymore. No, and that's sad. I know. Yeah, it's got a lot going on again. But at least the through line is being focused on in that threshold and the thresholders, which was a big section that ran through the first arc and is now getting doubled down on. I just don't know. I don't know. Steve Orlando is master of the deep cuts, right? He's playing with the big ideas and he's trying to bring in all of these little connection bits. And that's something I can really appreciate. Right. Being able to have all of that story in your head and like figure out how it all connects. Like that's... That's a skill. Right. Well, and we also have an interesting question that maybe connects it back to some initial ideas mm. for the Krakoan era. But before that, what do you think of Fang as Akiro's new name? I like it. I kept on saying it just naturally, right? Yeah. Because they, like they refer to him completely as Fang. Mm-hmm. One person, when he gets injured, someone says Aki. Aki. Well, that's, but... Akiro is his real name. Right, right. right? Dokken was the name that was given to him and is kind of a Japanese slur. Yeah, I like Fang. Yeah. I, I feels natural and like it belongs there. BMCG2 is thinking he's going to drop Marauders and pick up Sabretooth. Ooh. And if that's the choice, if it's one or the other, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Sabretooth is amazing. So good. The first arc was really great. And issue one of the second arc is already, yeah, let's yeah. go. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be a third arc. And they're all minis, so, you know. Five issue minis? Yes. Pete Woods 86 brings up, in Hickman's X-Men 12, he refers to Apocalypse as the Great Receder, the first mutant of the second generation of mutant kind on Earth. So was Threshold a story planned by Hickman as part of his original vision? Hmm. As in, like, that they would be the first generation? Right. Maybe. Yeah, and I don't know if... I don't know if he called it threshold or this was an idea of you think of how Hickman was playing in these blocks of time, right? The 10 years, 100 years, 1000 years into the future, what those different things could have then done if there was potential story into the past. And it's the same thing that Kieran is playing with in Immortal X-Men with 100 years back and what was happening with Sinister Destiny and which i cannot wait for right i think i think the seed was there intentionally and Mm. this is being built out by steve orlando but it's interesting to think of this being the first generation of mutants or the the first yeah yeah and i love a good you know throwback callback connection so here for that Pete also said when archaea first appeared in brian wood's x-men which is a 2013 series it interacted with Omega Sentinel Karima, and as a result, the Sentinel was wiped from her body. Do you think that with Archaea back, this will be touched upon? Hmm. I don't know. That's, that's hard to answer because of what I was just referencing with Karima's intelligence coming back from the future and overriding her physicality, right? So I don't know where now in the revised continuity of Krakoa, where x-men from 2013 falls in relation to karima's consciousness coming back and overriding her basically making her come online as an omega sentinel years earlier so that she can found orcus in the shadows but i think that these two uh you know 
bacteria, they have to play some kind of role because of new mutants. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, Sublime has been in character or in continuity for a while. And so is Archaea, right? So they're there. It's just our... Is Archaea going to be a part of the current continuity as, right. as well like Sublime is? Well, I'm just thinking like you're bringing them back up and you're talking about their origins and you're talking about both of them that it, I, I feel like it would make sense. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Well, the fact that Sublime is already appearing in other books outside of this past story. Right. Is that an already seen reaction to what the Marauders are doing in the past? Because they already did it. Right. You get so upset. I just... <laughs> It's because I need to be able to track something and with time travel there isn't it's like a loop and you can't tell what's the beginning and what's the end and what's a what was what happened because of what like time is not linear. It gets I know but it it gets like it makes me anxious like trying to understand it literally makes me like uh, 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 and I feel like I just I can't and I I don't like it, and I, so that's why. Yeah. It's what it does to me, it it bunches up my insides, and it frazzles my brain. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like there are so many different rules, depending on who's telling the story of time travel, and and whether or not it changes the future, or it creates an alternate dimension, or it, it does or it doesn't affect, like, the only rule is that whoever's writing makes the rules. Right. I mean, that's the only rule of anything is that it's a story under their pen and editorial said thumbs up. So they get to do whatever and they want. This is what blows my mind is that you as a logical human do not have the same problems with time travel that I do. Well, it's a different sample set, right? You're just creating another instance of that thing in the sense that so what you try to do. So if you start in A, if A is Threshold and B is Krakoa, if you're traveling back to A, you're putting it back in that one line versus what I want to see it as is, all right, so now you have A2, essentially, because you've introduced a new element to A. You have you have A too, times B, basically. That is too much to keep track of. It's math. I hate it. And I love math. <laughs> Legion of X. Legion of X. Number seven. I'm going to say it right now. Oh. I hate Nightcrawler's horns. Oh my God, you do. I hate them. I like them. I don't want to hear that. I really Don't so. get me wrong. This cover is all kinds of dope, the windswept fear, but I'm just speaking the truth of how I feel about my favorite mutant being physically deformed even further. He's already got a lot going on, all right? Sorry. I hate what Angel looks like at the end of this. Oh, you do? I do. This is this is like X Men ninety two, weird little Krakoa flower demons again. Like I love them and you hate them. Sure. Well, before we start, are you ready? I said this to you, but I'm going to say it officially on the podcast. I think this is my favorite issue of Legion of X. Yeah, I think this was probably my favorite as well. Yeah, but you say that every time a new issue of Legion of X comes out. That's because it's consistently gotten better <laughs> every issue, and I stand by that. Okay, ready. Page turn noise. We're in a briefing, getting a high level of all of our different locations, right? Krakoa, Transit, the altar. What brings us to this place as Nightcrawler is giving us the rundown, basically. These are the things that are going on. There's a memorial service for Magneto. Be there, look good. 
We have an investigation that we need to do for X Corp. I love that X Corp just exists in the background and it's and not we don't a separate have to title. Hear about it. Yeah, just keep it as a plot point. That's cool. The Temple Gate is now back reinstalled, and we have some new Iraqi friends. Yeah, don't don't get them all angry and riled up. Does anybody have any questions that aren't about my face? No. Nope. Hands go down. I do like this image of Nightcrawler as he's standing in front of everyone. <laughs> but just he looks like this this one with him down. He looks so sad. Well, that's the My point. My boy he's supposed is hurting. To look so sad there. That's why I don't like it. Well, give him a cool beard. Give him a swashbuckling jacket. Give him a sword. Don't give him horns. Don't give my boy horns. He's getting claws too, babe. I know. I, d- I don't like it. He's going straight demon up in here. I know. He's too kind of a soul. <laughs> I did think that it was interesting that he is uh, He's still on the market. Well, mm. he... He's like, don't worry, it's not contagious by touch. And one of them is like, can confirm. I believe that's Stacey X. <laughs> she would know. She would know. It's, it's, it's a title page. The abyss gazes also. The hand that mocked them and the heart that fed. Written by Cy Spurrier. Art by Nitho Diaz. Inks by Sean Parsons. Colors by Federico Blee. Letters Clayton Coles. He's Clayton Coles. That cover by Ben Harvey. I did really like that cover. That's I thought that cover. was cool. Mm-hmm. We've got an arrival and some new faces for our friends. Wow. Wow. Doug and Warlock, best buds, coming to the edge of the astral plane. Warlock looking like a yellow Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> Big old naked dude. Interesting look for Warlock. Interesting what's unfolding here. Right. This feels like it's going to be Big. Could be. I mean, this this is a large Powers of Ten plot point that we find later on. I mean, I appreciate, even though at this point I feel like I have, because of you explaining it multiple times, like you have a good understanding of the phalanx and all the inner workings of the phalanx and their minions and yeah. all of that. But I thought this was a really great, like, we're going to recap it for you. We're going to let you know that... These different entities of the phalanx don't really know that they're working for the phalanx. And they think that they're working for themselves. And also, like, danger. These are not just regular flowers. And I'm a mutant. And that's why I didn't, you know, have to retreat when my dad died. Right. Which I was like, okay, I get it. I understand. I really do like the landscapes that we're getting, too. I love the art. I yeah. love the art of the astral plane. Like, of the altar and just the color. It's the colors especially, you know? It's like... The way that they very specifically have this like psychedelic right. color palette. We get our phalanx lesson as Warlock's got a vision of what this could be. He believes that these are the ashes of his dead father. These little yellow things that had been following around Juggernaut at the end of last issue, I believe. Mm-hmm. The spores of the phalanx. Could call for some bad news if there's too many of them, right? So this is the the phalanx trying to see at all times. And I just, I did really enjoy the breakdown of how they approach different situations. Mm-hmm. When, a, when the phalanx doesn't want to just consume a society, they want to learn more about it and then want to basically take it into mm-hmm. them. Absorb Ascension. it. 
I don't even know what this thing is, this giant psychedelic whale situation. This is... But I love it. I believe they call it the mouth of the phalanx, right? So this is essentially what is on the outskirts of the altar responding to all these little spores and what they found inside. Mm. So That's this scary. is Yeah, right. This is essentially if Warlock is this yellow naked dude, this is the astral form of a phalanx. Not great. No. Lurking, well, especially ready to just oh. Especially what we see later on, definitely yeah. not good. I love this page though. This is like epic as yeah, it's all heck. Really gorgeous. We got, you know, two-page spread data page. An extremely complex data page, right? <laughs> that just breaks down what we're talking about. This phalanx technarchy life cycle. The phalanx can exist everywhere and exist to expand and explore. That is their choice. That, that When I say everywhere, on any plane, in any realm. So if you thought the astral plane was safe, you were wrong, as evidenced by these little spores mm-hmm. and this giant piranha creature. Nowhere is safe. They've got a lot of scouts sent out to find things to consume. If it grows large enough, it becomes self-aware as technarchy, mm-hmm. warlocks people. I, I did like this distinction and breakdown of the different finds that they could come across. The Babel Spire. That just makes me think of the giant tower mm. in X-Men 7. Oh, because the tower, the tower of The Babel. tower just appears... I remember I went deep, deep into what the Tower of Babel was. and that No whole... one can in- get into it except for Nightcrawler. He's in this book. Like I feel like that's going to play yeah. into what's happening right well, now. Well, that's what made me really love this issue is that it felt like it was bringing back these things that seemed so important in Hoxpox, you know? Like this idea of the phalanx, I was really intrigued as to how that threat would come to Krakoa. And this is kind of setting the stage for that to happen, I think. Well, especially, you know, not to continue to reference Inferno, but the reveal of Warlock being intertwined with the circuitry of Krakoa. Right, and that was always a fear. Right. Like, when we were talking about House and Powers, like, that was always a fear. I was like, "Something something is awry here. Yeah. And so being able to pick back up on those threads that we haven't really been talking about in months, that's exciting. So could it be that Ascension is coming? I don't know. I don't know. Sinister, sinister. All right, this is, I I enjoyed this issue entirely, but this is where it was like, it picked up. My notes say, and Sinister saves the book. Right. But I liked it before that, but. Because it's the shade, this back and forth. I could, I could read a whole book of Sinister and Nemesis going at each other. Yes. That would be amazing. Make that an X-Men Unlimited arc. I'm ready for that. Also, just the way Sinister is like, yeah, that's where I do my dirty business. Ha ha. Ha ha banter. Just kidding. <laughs> like, so good. It's so funny. It's so good. It's so on brand for Sinister. Also, I love that Nemesis is like, Sinister's name means evil. I'm like, bro, your name is Nemesis. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> It's the same thing. Oh, God. Those two. <laughs> I love the as Nemesis leaves, it's shameless the way we flirt. I know. <laughs> it's just freaking love oh, Sinister. God. And then he's like, oh, have you tried turning it off and turning it back on? What right. do you mean? Let me shoot you in the face. It's the old Nintendo method. Right? Turn the system off. Take the cartridge out. You blow on it. You put it back. Yeah. 
clean it off and then banshee somehow gets there and, and yeah and then in your in-between time banshee and mother righteous can speak to you vox ignis voice of the fire right and this was something that it was a bit of a criticism in the first arc of legion of x but what seemed like very independent plots mm. then all started to come together as what is happening here yes. this fact that nightcrawler's problem is connected to Banshee's new form and him being able to contact him, whether or not it's known by Mother Righteous, to be determined. Mm -hmm. Because he gives Nightcrawler this warning to watch out for Legion. Protect him. You don't like this? Look at him. You don't like this? You don't like this new, reborn, even more demon-y Nightcrawler? No. I love it. Hope is surprised. Well, yeah, wouldn't you? <laughs> wouldn't you be? Hey, that's not what we ordered. And how is it happening? It's like you ordered a cheeseburger and it came out with horns on it. <laughs> it's like, I don't want this. I want my burger. Put it back. And it came out with horns on it. This is gross. I'm not going to eat this. Mother Righteous has discovered the defenses put in place around the altar. These astral defenses. It's a predicament because she needs access to tell them what's what. Mm -hmm. I you know, this... this these types of pages where there's so many unique bubbles, the eyes of Mother Righteous looking at the altar with all of these things around it, the the little zoom in on Legion and Warlock talking about his connection to Xavier and just this, this difference between defenses and paranoia. Mm -hmm. I thought that was super interesting. So who is she referring to when she says a hitchhiker? Because you can see that Juggernaut is on the other side of that gate, but I'm confused as to kind of like where she goes there. That's what I was calling attention to. So on that page, mm -hmm. right, so we're on one of the last pages, but it's where Mother Righteous says, hmm, a hitchhiker. It's the panel right above it, that blue vapor that goes into Warlock's back. Oh. Is the same color as that giant fish <gasps> that ate those spores. So this is the same oh. color as, flip back to... To the big whale thing. Right? So all these vapors, <gasps> all this oh, around here. Oh, no. Because, yeah, I was like, who's the hitchhiker? Who's hitchhiking? Especially this right around here. Right? That's the same visual yeah. makeup of it. Oh, this is not good. So this is where we're going. I don't like it. I mean, like, I like it. Yeah, no, I, I like I it too. I don't I like very it, exciting. you know? <laughs> I like it, but I don't like it. And, and you know, now Nightcrawler is going to, he's going to take up Nemesis on his experiments because Sinister didn't quite do the trick. Right. But it, it made it worse. So now it's easier to identify. It's easier to identify and it's somehow... It's somehow more contagious than Nightcrawler believed, or it is multiplying in some way, or it is affecting multiple people. Less so contagious in the sense that it's coming from him to other people. More so it is a property that has now been introduced into the world and can find its way to other people. Mm. I do like this detail of Nightcrawler in the chair as his hands and legs are breaking out of his suit. Because he's physically mutating. Right, so his hands, yes. the glove is all tattered because of his claws. His leg he's is too swollen. More and more demony. I like the detail. 
<laughs> in LA with BK. <laughs> BK. Black Knight. Dane? No, not quite. I'm his daughter. I was here doing stuff for X Corp. Then Warren disappeared. And there's this monster. Yeah, that. I think it murdered your friend. No, that's actually Angel. I think he looks super dope. I do too. I'll take that back for Angel because I have less of a connection to him as a character. You know, any any good any PR for Angel is good PR <laughs> because what else is he doing other than just fighting with a demon inside of him? And now you multiply that by a couple times. And this straight terror face that Nightcrawler has because he's like, "Oh shoot, is that what my future looks like? Yeah. How long did this take?" Yeah. Because also it seems as though if like if Angel is here and he's being perceived as a monster, then has he lost his sense of self? Or does he just look this way and he's going to like turn around and be like, hey, guys, well, we um, don't, what's happening? Yeah, we don't see. We, uh, we haven't gotten any dialogue from Angel. It's he could just, just to be continued. Right. He could just be like, hey, guys, what's going on? Hey, welcome to S- X-Corp. What are you guys doing here? Stocks and bonds and things. <laughs> Disruptive behavior. Dun, big, da, big picture. I enjoyed it. I think it's really interesting all the different aspects that are that are at play. I'm I'm intrigued by what could be happening and how it's happening and I love me some Warlock, so I'm excited to to have him playing a more prevalent role. Yeah. Yeah, that was the best issue of Legion of X that I have read thus far. Yeah, no, I think it really picked up in that second half, but also put down a lot of interesting ideas in the first half connected to the bigger picture of Krakoa. And I feel like that was part of the problem with the first arc is there were pieces that dealt with Krakoa, but it just felt like, all right, we're in our own place now. Mm. We're completely separate from what they're doing on the island, what they're doing on Mars. We're somewhere in between doing our own adventures, popping here and there to save some people. Like This just feels intertwined with the grander story. Mm. I wonder if Sinister's new sample of Nightcrawler's DNA is what's going to lead us to Nightcrawler's, Mm. right? So now he has this mutating Nightcrawler DNA, Nightcrawler's being written by Cy Spurrier, the writer of Legion of X. Oh, interesting. I'm just going to connect those right now. Yeah. We'll could, see. Could be. You heard it here for, first, folks. This is why. Oh, man. Rem Springer is bringing up something that hits home with me. He laughed entirely too hard at his favorite character getting murdered. So the fact that Sinister <laughs> just shoots Nightcrawler in the face. I'm pretty sure in that moment I went, oh, Sinister, like out loud. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was just... The perfect amount of ridiculous. Bold actions. Yeah. <laughs> ridiculous choices with no consequence. Right, right. I mean, I was genuinely more upset by the way Nightcrawler was looking and how he was developing than Sinister shooting him in the face. Like, that was fine. That was I was cool with that. That's fine. That's basically some way of X callback. Right. Just, all right, well, we reset. You reset, reset. Pop your death cherry. Warline's calling out Sinister just confessing to the Legionnaires what he's been doing. It's hilarious. I love it. It's so good. Because he, he's just like, yep, that's where I'm plotting to just ruin everything. Yeah. 
And he's also wondering, what are they doing to Angel? This dude hasn't been done well for 11 years now. And now he's getting this, hey, now. Listen, sometimes you just need Angel and Havoc so that you can pick on them. Right. You need a scapegoat. You need some mutant to dump on. Sorry, guys. Historically, it's been you. So we're just going to keep on doing it to you. Keep it going. That's what your role is. Might as well not enrage another section of the fan base and just... Oh, that's what they do. That's what they're here for. Is there someone you can think of, and I know I'm just throwing this at you, that would also go through one of these transformations of sorts? Right? So you have Nightcrawler becoming more and more of a demon, something that he's always been associated with. And it's interesting to have angels and demons as where you're starting this mm. impact, right? So it's almost like, is it a religious thing? Is it... There was a little bit of connection that we drew when we talked on that show that we guested on Alphabet Flight mm-hmm. of the Draco, uh, Azazel, the connection between Nightcrawler's ancestors and Angel's ancestors being this warring group of ancient mutants, essentially. I don't know if that's what's causing them to be targeted in this first or it's just it's just random happenstance that they are the ones that we're pulling in. Well, it doesn't look like Angel is like a flip side or a reverse of Nightcrawler in any way. Like they both look pretty demonic. Sure. I mean, I guess Angel, like the coloration is more like Archangel. Right. Um, I'd imagine that he was in Archangel form when he started to. Did Nightcrawler ever, was he ever a horseman or anything like that have anything to do with Apocalypse? Okay. Not to my knowledge. I mean, who else could go through something like this? I mean, my first thought, just because of demons, is magic. Okay. Well, that's interesting, especially the dark child persona. Yeah. Like, that's what I thought of. That's what the horns made me think of. I was thinking of Wolfsbane. Mm. Just you want to think of characters that have physical traits that could then be furthered. Oh, I see. Hmm. Beast already has enough going on. We'll talk about him soon. Yeah. I don't know, something to noodle on. Yeah, something to noodle on. Because it seems like I would be surprised if this is just two isolated incidents of this happening. Yeah, but do you have any thoughts on like what it is that's causing it? No, there's potential that it's magic-based or sorcery-based, or it could be something that's infected in the astral plane through the altar and that's why it's able to reach out to someone much further out do you think it has any connection to this thing that was already like to the phalanx energy thing because like of the coloration because of the blue or maybe blue mutants only are getting yeah, messed up sorry know. mystique watch out yeah i don't know it's just interesting she's another one that what she could get more physically mutated i think it had happened Years ago, when they started to make her look a little bit more like the movie version, right? Mm. Where she had like the scales. Scales. Mm, Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. On to Wolverine, number 27. Oh, Wolverine. Snickety snicked. I really like this cover. Oh, yeah. It's a great cover. I love it. Just pulling you in with those claws curling around. Yeah. It's got good energy, that cover. Well... It's got energy, that right. cover. Well, it doesn't have good energy once you notice the Krakoan collar right. around his throat. Right. And you realize what that means. Oh, boy. 
Let's dive in. Yes. Page turn noise. Ah, well, isn't this nice? We've got a little resurrection. A little resurrection, but we're keeping our distance because Wolverine's a little aggressive when he first gets resurrected. You think this happens every time? Every time. Every time. He he just... He goes primal instincts. He's just... Because he has been loaded in with his consciousness? I don't think so. He hasn't yet. This is the thing. This is the question I have about this issue. Because essentially, I don't know if now is the right time to talk about it, but Beast makes a comment as he's taking him away. Keep him in your time stasis for just a smidge longer. And then Domino talks about how he doesn't respond to his own name. And he's like, primal in this ca- in this cave like eating animals right like, so he doesn't have his cerebro back up. i don't think he's actually logan because we don't see it in any way shape or form this connects to the conversation that we we're having at the beginning just the husk of magneto with the powers which is interesting because i thought that the powers come online because of right so that's my like but the way that he as he's being re- resurrected, he like goes for this primal attack mode towards them and they sort of have to like put it up and then put up this wall to protect themselves. And then Beast comes in with this collar essentially and just is controlling him. Like, I don't think he's actually Logan yet. Right. Which is insane to me. And also the fact that like I know that the five sort of has this relationship with X-Force where when they're told to do something, they sort of just have to do it and they don't always love it. But to not fully finish the process of resurrection, like that should be... Big red flag. Big red flag. And to see Beast put a collar on Wolverine and walk him away like that, like, yeah, they make a face like, oh, that's odd. But to not follow through with that in any way and to not see logan like walking around being logan after that well then the thing that makes me think that this is not fully wolverine is what beast says in a couple of pages about him having too much knowledge too much information to fall into the wrong hands right if he doesn't get loaded in with that information if he's just this primal killing machine able to be controlled through this collar right do you still have the threat of those secrets? Okay, we're getting too far into it, but we're on the title page. Okay, we're, we're in. We, are, we already know. Okay, we'll, we'll go. We, you guys figured you read it, out. it right? It. De novo. The Beast Agenda. Skulls. Ugh. Ugh. Especially with that last page. I can't. Written by Benjamin Percy. Art by Juan Jose Reap. Colors by Frank Diamarta. Letters Corey Petit. BC is Corey Petit. That cover by Lionel Francis Yu and Romulo Fajardo Jr. Oh, man. Okay. Let's get into these kill orders. I put it together here. And I was like, this is Wolverine getting ordered to kill all these yes. people blindly. Yes. And that, like, this this is Beast able to just use Wolverine as a tool. Right. And uh, essentially, this, this is, is some Weapon X BS right now. 100%. This, like, when Logan finds out about this... Which he will. Or when someone else, like when Domino finds out about this. Uh, Warlion asks, like, how does the Summers not notice this? Like, how? (laughs) Because Wolverine is always off and away. Like, that's the advantage that Beast has is that it's not uncharacteristic of Logan to just not be present on Krakoa because he's he's off doing his Logan things. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
it wouldn't be odd to be like Logan is off doing a thing right now. He's doing an X-Force mission. You can't know about it. Like that wouldn't be uncharacteristic. So why would anyone question it? And this, you know, come just coming off of some issues where Logan is straight up saying like, I don't kill just to kill. Right. And then to be judged for that. Yeah. Right. And then being told to kill just Used. to kill and like, killing this man next to his sleeping wife and not killing her and just like decapitating this man at his desk you know like this is some intense stuff this is insane yeah and some of it you're like oh okay maybe you wouldn't know who it is and then you see these laboratory dudes and this blatantly three claw marks up this guy's back oh yeah and and wolverine in the distance on the last one right and like just the sheer fact of like this guy is a reporter who doesn't talk well about mutants so we're gonna murder him beast this is this issue was the point where i was like all right i'm fed up with beast like i need to see his downfall it need we're we're at the the top of the roller coaster and we're just sitting here waiting for the little click to go so i can fall down and i'm ready for that like i don't want to wait any longer I feel like that's why this being called the Beast Agenda, I don't know if we're going to get full comeuppance for Beast here, but this is the height of his villainy as it's being painted. Yeah. And it's it's literally... Shout out also to the amazing art in this book. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. <laughs> it's this so is good. the art team from last issue as well. It's so good. Sage, sage, sage. Shredder needs to talk to her before she gets too yeah, quote unquote tired. Too smashed. We could have used Wolverine on that mission. It was intense. I do love how Domino is noticing and essentially taking care of Sage. Yes. It it just makes me think like, is she the heart of the team? Is she Domino? Yeah, yeah. I'm I was really excited to see Domino in this issue and like getting getting credit for being domino you know like yeah she her and the team can hold their own without wolverine so she's but she's also like i know i'm noticing things are not right like where's wolverine why is beast acting shady sage what's going on with you like everyone's in crisis the family is falling apart and nobody seems concerned i will say i do really like the detail of the bubbles around sage's letterboxes yeah words yeah and also Blob's just complete, just just upset face about yeah. giving Sage another drink. Well, how many, there's only one bar on Krakoa and he's the bartender. Right. So how many nights is she shutting down the bar after working for X-Force? Right. And who is this watching? Is this Emma and Legion? Looks like Iceman. Oh, Iceman. Well, I was trying to figure out the hair situation, but yeah, I guess. Interesting. Wolverine's different. Well, how so? He's mean. That doesn't sound different. Yeah. <laughs> oh, more kill shots. Kill orders. Just so many of them. They are intense. They're really well done. It's just sad because you know that he's not doing this of his own free will. And for me, the thing that's that really grinds my gears is the Weapon X aspect of it all. Sure, just yeah. Just the, the for- sheer... For Beast to know that of right. Wolverine. For them to have been teammates for however long they've been teammates. I don't know if I'd ever call them friends, essentially, right. but... But, like, 
Beast has gone too far here. And then like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm doing experiments. No, you're not. You're feeding your Wolverine in your little cave who clearly is not Logan. Like, look at his face. Yeah. We get some flashback. The bargaining beast coming in. He's got the money. He wants to do this. Kill. This is basically recapping, getting us back to what where we, we didn't were. we did see at the end of last right. issue. And a nice call out as, you know, was mentioned on our show the last time we talked about this. The the patch. The patch the effect. The patch disguise. Right. What are you ripping off my disguise? Yeah, it's a form of flattery. You know, I, I want to be just like you. Oh, God. I love at this point where Wolverine's like, all right, let me free so we can kill all these people. Ah, no, it's not going to go that way. Yeah, it's not like that. You you made me mad in the, the our fake danger room, and right. now I'm mad at you. You won't listen to me. I am the conductor. I said kill, and you did not kill. Also, we're having a team meeting. We're having a team meeting, and all that stuff that I was saying that Logan got mad about, where I was saying we have to preemptively attack people we think might attack us. Yeah. In some point in the future, Black Tom, please erect a giant skull in the middle of Krakoa so everybody knows we're here. Yeah. So you remember when we were talking about doing Minority Report? We're doing Minority Report now. I love that Forge and Gateway are CC'd on this email. So mm. yeah, I mean, you guys are still here, right? You, you still want to join in every now and then? When we need transport and or tech? Oh, God. Shout out to Domino All Issue. Right. We're sitting around this table, the point... And Domino's like, ah, shouldn't Wolverine be here? Yeah, he's here. He's, he told me. He's on a mission. What mission? Yeah, what mission? We are the team. We would know the missions. Right, and also he told you, disagree strongly. When did he tell when you? When has Wolverine ever agreed in like a full flourish with anything you have said, Beast? Never, not one time. That's right. malarkey and you know it. All right, Black Tom, do the thing. <laughs> Which is crazy. So he's not only being more ridiculous with his action but he's making them more visible right it's like he wants to get caught because he thinks he can't he's doing the same him and brand are on the same path sure they think they're freaking unstoppable and they're right and nobody can touch them it's disgusting (laughs) (laughs) another flashback this body of resources what if i insist to keep the body nope then i'll kill you I'll just slice you open and kill you and I'll I'll kill all your friends and then I'll take my little Wolverine head and oh my god I literally wrote in all capital letters you better not hurt Jeff Bannister. Uh, all caps. What did he do to Jeff Bannister? Like that man has a sick child. Do not. Do not. Yeah. But I fear that he did. Especially with this quote page from Jeff Bannister. Yeah. You only get a quote page when you die. <laughs> yeah. If you're a regular old human. What can you take with you? A house on fire kind of situation. Ugh. If you weren't willing to run and abandon everything when the enemy comes gunning for you, then you risk getting compromised. This is what's going to happen. Jeff Bannister, not coming home. The daughter, she's got a Deadpool finger. She's going to Krakoa, and she's like, excuse me, where's Where's my my friend Wolverine? My dad never came home, and someone's going to be like, okay, this isn't right, and that's how all this is going to unfold. I believe that 100%. Because... That's a very, very specific plot point that they introduced last issue. Yes, and it's going to be Deadpool. Watch. (laughs) 
We'll see. <laughs> or Domino. Maybe Domino. I, I would like to see Domino do it. Just right. because Domino needs more story. But I mean, like Deadpool. Like, hey, Mr. Deadpool, this is your finger. Do you know where my friend Wolverine is? Yeah. Or get Sage to sober up for it. Oh, Sage. On to the evil lair. He's happy with his tomatoes, that bouncing blue beast. And this is Wolverine's skull, yes? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's why the name of the issue is Skulls. He just... You're so disgusting. He kept it as a prize. which He shined it up real nice. Which just underscores how terrible he's acting. Right. Right? Because this is not just, oh, I did some bad things. It's like, no, I did some bad things and I'm living with it. I'm excited by it. It fuels me. Feels good. Oh, God. This was a fantastic issue. Yeah. Bestial nature. That's our next one. Bestial. Bestial. Okay. Same diff. Yeah. I just... That's what I'm saying. I got all riled up when I read it. And that's why it's my book of the week. Because it got me... I'm I'm like real riled up now just talking about it. Doesn't help that I have my new beast action figure here. No, get that man away from me. This is 90s beast. I don't care. This is science beast. I don't care. He's got he a little... He does have a cool jacket though. Yeah, right. He's got a lab coat. Hasbro's first lab coat. He's got his grimacing face that's sad if that's hasbro's first lab coat ever on any toy Doubtful. i believe so no i believe so well first fabric lab coat that's crazy soft goods yeah like that's... reed has a lab coat moira has a lab doesn't... coat but they're plastic no oh, ha- hasbro doesn't make barbies mattel does right all right i was like barbie has mad clothes there's definitely a doctor and or science barbie storm is the first soft goods cape mm. tangents tangents so you loved it i absolutely loved it i did too i i was it was making me upset while i was reading it Mm -hmm. but in a good way yeah i was fueling your fire how do you fix this i i like what you're saying and i think that that's definitely where it's gonna go it's got to tie into the girl the fact that dad never came home Mm -hmm. she has a way she has a gate in the backyard either like dad never came home or like beast did something to him and he's like not all there right you know and like there's there's something wrong with jeff or he's not there and and this key to krakoa that the daughter got like that's gonna be that happened for a reason and this kid showing up on krakoa wondering what's going on i mean that that has to be part of it and i think you know all the pieces are coming together like sage is falling apart domino's realizing what's up other people are questioning what's going on with wolverine where is he like that's gonna be a thing sooner or later they're gonna want answers especially think about how this is going to affect wolverine across the line right right so any any usage of wolverine now he is in this state until this gets resolved in some way right which means like he doesn't get used in other things because right. he's not Logan. They're not like, going to blow this up. He's not Logan. That's the thing is like what and the five like when are the five going to be like so when are we going to put Logan's brain back inside his body like you know it just feels not okay. It feels like there should be someone should be doing something mm. sooner rather than later. But I love it. I'm here for this storytelling all the way. Michael loves Mariah Carey wants to know, should Beast be thrown into the pit? And I feel like that's too lenient. No, Beast should be killed and not resurrected. Yeah. I'm done with Beast. I've been out on Beast for a while, but I am like, 
if anyone, I swear to all that is holy in the name of the X-Men, if Charles Xavier excuses any of this, it's not going to be good. It's not going to be good. I can't even. <laughs> what are you going to do? I, you stop reading? You can't. You can't. I got you. No, I'm, <laughs> no, I'm not going to stop reading. That would be a ridiculous thing. I'm just going to be really heated. And I maybe I'll start a campaign about it. All right. No, I just I don't know. I just feel like the the pit is too lenient. Like yeah, this is especially if Doug speaks up and is like ah well that's probably not that's probably not a good thing. We should probably sunset the pit. Warline is saying that Beast is super lost. I'm back to believing this isn't six one six Beast, but Dark Beast or maybe Sublime Possessed Beast. Which I think, so that is a story that you don't know. Mm -hmm. Here Comes Tomorrow is that story, which is interesting that Here Comes Yesterday is the story of Marauders currently, right? So, but I also, we were talking back and forth today, Warline and I, and I just, I think that that's too much of Sublime. Right. Right. So we're going to have him as this main part of Marauders, this main part of New Mutants. And also he's been pulling the strings on Beast this whole time. Maybe, especially if... You connect that because of this time travel journey, Sublime was in that Mysterium box or, you know, like that that unleashed the bacteria uh, somehow. Maybe, but I just keep going back to the interview that we did with Ben Percy and the way that he talked about Beast's hubris growing. Right, right. And that being like a character trait of Beast as he has entered the new era of Krakoa. And I feel like this is Beast. Like I do, too. I don't, I think, yes, I mean, obviously I only know what I know, but I definitely think there's like dark beast tendencies. And I think that's sort of kind of the beauty of a, of the idea of the multiverse is that like these are all possibilities of every individual's reality. So that version of beast still lives within the 616 version of beast. You know what I mean? Right. But I think that this is, this is the journey that 616 beasts has character gone has gone on since... You know, he, he's been, think about Beast is one of the original X-Men. So if you think about the amount of stuff that his character has gone through and the amount of hatred that he's had to endure and then the realization of Krakoa and the upper hand that that gives him and then the power that was given to him by Xavier and even in the beginning of this, his idea that, well, I'm the next Xavier. I'm the, I'm Xavier's right-hand man. Like, He's had these things set up for him to become this power hungry and to become this blind to anything else other than, you know, his ultimate power. Right. And so I think he's just, he's become too consumed with his own self-interest and he, and the idea that he could be the savior and it's turned him into this horrific version of himself and i agree with that logically right so it just feels like a lot of it's happening off panel right right a a number of people commented on our post today about i I posted about x-force 12 when wolverine comes at beast and punches him for what he's doing to colossus this public humiliation this public trial Mm -hmm. and everyone's saying rightfully so this is not Beast. This is they, they are ruining this character. They're taking him entirely too far in another direction that there have always been kind of seeds to it, but we haven't seen so much of that arc. It's just been inferred 
and maybe hinted at as like, oh, this was always a part of him. Yes, you know that if he becomes Dark Beast in an alternate timeline, if the right things happen, that he has the potential Mm. to do that at all times, right? So that's what I feel like it is. We're just not getting it as explicitly painted for us. It's an interesting thing because I feel like this comes up often in the difference between people who have been reading comics for a long time and me because I have all like this is who Beast is in Krakoa. Oh yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? It's and who like, he's been from the start. And for I sure. can say I can see where if you have the beast of pre Krakoa, you don't see how he went from pre Krakoa to Krakoa. Yes. But that's the complaint. In, because because from Krakoa on, it's very clear and we the don't... way that he has grown into the version of himself that he is now. And other than what we saw again in Inferno, where he was involved in the creation of the drugs right. with planting the, the different things and working with Doug to produce these different medicines, mm-hmm. we don't know what his involvement was in that time frame. Right. So was... Was that part of it? Was he doing all these experiments? Was he gaining all this intelligence and thinking like, oh, I have the ability to do, I'm bringing these miracles to the world. Right. I'm giving I'm so us. Important. Right. Yeah. Well, I also wants to know how did Hope and Eva not question Beast and how he acted with Wolverine? Yeah, how can Warline. the Summers not be aware of Logan acting weird? I, I agree completely about the five right. hoping Eva just being like yeah they, whatever well I mean they react visually they just don't do anything right about it. and if I'm Eva Bell I would hold Beast in a similar time I'd stasis like, what are you doing right. and hope somehow knowing telepathy at convenient times would mind read him right I just feel it's a little that's what I'm saying is like there's there's too many people who should be questioning this that aren't um, so I think it's not gonna it can't possibly last that long and I think that's part of what the beast's downfall will be is that he believes that nobody should question him and nobody will question him because he's beast right Mm -hmm. i'm i'm the leader of x-force but but i also think what i said before about you know wolverine goes off and does his own thing all the time and the summers they got they they got vulcan on their plate (laughs) i think that he mentioned that in another comment yeah that they've got a lot going on yeah all right on to our final book, my book of the week. Woohoo. But I would safe. agree, like, especially even just going through that again, like that had a lot to it. Yeah. Let's talk about that cover. Ooh. Beautiful, threatening, engrossing. I love it. I love that saber tooth smile. And it just it pits him as this leader of sorts of this team. Sabretooth and the Exiles, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that this cover kind of gives me like Puppet Master vibes, and I don't get those vibes when we're actually in the issue, but... I mean, he is he is pulling the show to follow him. Right, Maybe right. not intentionally Puppet Mastering and until the end where he's like, uh, I'm going to need help taking this down. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into it. Page turn noise. I love this data page. What happens to the ones left out of the dream? Again, Mole, right? Mole was a huge part of the first arc of Sabretooth. Mm -hmm. And this idea of the stories underneath the larger story, the stories that get dismissed. And there's so much that's cool about this because 
not only is this talking about those who don't get the spotlight, but you don't even get a signature on this page. You have to read the little notes in the bottom right. to know that Mole is the one who wrote this. Because there's no like Mole. You love, know? love Mole. You always get who who is this by in right. some aspect. I always read the tiny type. I know you do. But then also this connects to what he was saying in Sabretooth, right? It's like him mm-hmm. feeling as part of it. He's essentially the spokesperson for the forgotten mutants. Right. The Morlocks that live on Krakoa, essentially. Mm-hmm. Dr. Barrington. Ooh, I don't like her. No, she's so cold and scientific about this gruesome work that she's doing. This bond failure, this harvesting of mutants. Yeah, yuck. And here you go. I got what I needed from this one. So you can just take the body away now and come clean this up because I made a mess. I made a mess. Oh, but you've got something interesting. This better be worth my time or I'm going to destroy your head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we found this guy. Sabretooth locked in shackles on a table. Say, oh, you've got claws. Let's remove those claws. They're already growing back. He's already healing, even, even with a power yeah, dampener on. That was intense. She's interested. All right, you can you can keep your head. <laughs> the little thumbs up. These guys look like Deadpool. Why though? I don't know. That's what I thought too. I was like, why do they look like Deadpool? There, there should be Orcus employees. They have they have the pedals on their shirts. Mm-hmm. The fact that Sabretooth is healing himself with a power dampener on for me, this was a moment of oh. Sabretooth is more more powerful than you knew he was. Right. You know, like that's a big, you see so often mutants get this power dampener put on them and they can't do anything at all. Right. So this for me was a big realization of like, all right, Sabretooth is here to play and he, you know, he's, he's a, built up all the time as a villain, but that doesn't mean he's not strong. Yeah. And is this saying that he's more than a mutant? You know, for him to be able to do that, is his healing factor something else? Mm. Is it is it just a part of who he is and not just his power? Thinking about how, I think it was Caliban that they were referring to, but like his mutant power living in his mind. Interesting, interesting. Is his makeup different somehow? Hmm, intriguing. It's a title page. Under the Knife. Exile. Written by Victor Laval. Art by Leonard Kirk. Colors, Rain Barreto. Letters, Corey Petit again. Wow, Corey. Sees Corey Petit. Cover by Ryan Stegman, J.P. Meyer, and Frank Martin. Ooh, there's a Joshua Kassara and Dean White variant cover. Oh, I've seen that, actually. Uh, well, here we go. We're on a mission. We're on a journey. We're looking for our friend Sabretooth, and we're sensing him in the distance. Mm-hmm. We've got Third Eye and Toad. This lack of trust between the two of them. Stay out of my mind. What drives you? And why are we after Sabretooth? Revenge, is it? Yeah, I'm loving getting this sort of reconnect to all the exiles, remembering their story, remembering their powers, kind of what bring, what brings them here? Especially these boxes with their power sets. Mm-hmm. You never see those anymore. Well, I also think this might be, if you didn't read Sabretooth, right. and you're going to read this book... You need to have that little refresh recap situation. I also am just noticing that Third Eye is ahead of them 
as we see on this next page of Oya and Necra meeting in the cockpit, I guess. I don't it's know. It's not a cockpit. No, it's the... the it's like a crow's nest, crow's, I think. Yeah, that's good. No, isn't that the... That's the, on top. The perch? The captain's quarters? Sure. The the, hull, the boat term? The boat that means cockpit. the place where the steering wheel is? The steering wheel. <laughs> the, the steering wheel. Somebody that knows boats bridge. All right. The bridge. No, it, says, it says cockpit, too. Really? A protected someone in closed space on deck, usually from where a boat is controlled or steered. Parts of a boat. Understanding the anatomy of your boat. Discoverboating.com. Understand the anatomy of your boat. All right. But anyway, these two, they're in. I already forgot what it's called. The cockpit. They're in the cockpit. They're in the bridge. They're talking about their revenge, their need for revenge. And that's what's driving them. The question is, is your revenge really, is Sabretooth really the revenge you want? Or didn't we want to get revenge on a bunch of other people? It's the revenge that's driving me right now. So it's good. Whatever. And all of this experimentation is for a liver? Oh, yeah. We're going to take out Sabretooth's liver so we can experiment on that regeneration. And I'm interested to know what is this Barrington coil that's placed back into Sabretooth? Mm -hmm. Is this a tracker? Is this some way of control? I don't know. Yeah. Something that just... It's... (laughs) It's something that's not good. It no. gave me like the vibes of whatever it was they put inside Omega Red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? The carbodium synthesizer. Yeah. Soon as I can stand up, Doc, I'm coming for your head. But don't forget that little note that we have actually seen Dr. Barrington before. Oh, my God. I literally wrote in my notes. Let's see. Where is it? And what's up with this person she's making? Who is that? Tell me you looked up this Children of the Atom issue. Of course. <laughs> of course. And this is actually where she refers to her working with the human. Mm-hmm. So that was when they tried to capture the Children of the Atom. Yes. As the human. And then the X-Men came and broke them up. And Commander Kruger is the military officer that is working with Dr. Barrington at the time and looks an awful lot like the creation on the other side of this. Mm-hmm. Must be the same. They're like, we got to go flush our bodies. So we're getting this, all the teams converging into one place vibe. Yeah. Oh, you can even see in this wide, the the mass grave from here. Right. But when you don't don't know that that's what what it is. is, you don't know that that's what it is. Yeah. I'm living for Nanny and Orphan Maker. I love them. I'm so glad they're back. Land ho. You sleep when I sleep, Peter. Yeah. The power notes on all of them, but Orphan Maker in particular, keep on pointing to that gun, it better go off. (laughs) Kept dormant by his containment suit, apocalyptic if activated. Oh, God. See see you later, Johnny. (laughs) I'm not Johnny Storm. Yeah, that was great. I loved it. The team is going out. They're looking for Sabretooth, or they don't know what they're looking for, but they're looking. Do you know what a final girl is? No. When none, especially when none of you are final girls. That's in a horror movie, the girl that survives and is the last one to be killed. Oh. Like none of you are that character. I'm not <laughs> going to follow you. Oh, that is funny. Freaking nanny. We'll catch you later, Johnny. <laughs> Get you, okay. And then we stumble onto big old pile of uh, dead bodies. A big old pile of dead bodies a placed right next to a data page that is really 
really heavy. Oh, yeah. And, you know, this is not something that was news to me. This is um, something that I knew about on top of this experimentation that was done on black slave women. There was also uh, some, like, childbirth experiments and things that were done on them where they wouldn't give them pain meds and wouldn't do anything uh, in in ways to sort of explore different things that would happen in childbirth or just like different female anatomy uh, because they didn't have access to that sort of information. So they would just experiment on slave women and it's horrific. Yeah. And it is such an interesting, like very blatant comparison to what's happening and just reading it in that context makes it so... You know, when you read it originally and you're like, oh, they're doing experiments on mutants and you know that Orcus and these people think of them as lesser beings and then you put it right in direct comparison with this. It's just very... Potent to the yes. mutant metaphor. Yes. Yeah. It's this... a lot. It's really heavy, you know? Well, it's and a... this is very much so in line with what Victor Laval did in Sabretooth right. in that he was bringing in real primary sources of historical facts and tying it to the narrative that he was building in these terms of Krakoa. How do we make this relevant to the mutant story, but also connected to history? Yeah. yeah. And and be, and the way that this data page sort of unravels this start of saying, you know, I'm great for this job because I attended all of these places. And not only did I attend all of these places... But I was kicked out of all of these places because of my science. Because I'm so and good at what I do. And then to compare herself to this other doctor who did these horrible things and and be putting him on a pedestal and saying this is the way that science and medicine should be handled mm. is it just it, it takes a turn. You know, you don't realize what you're reading until you're reading it and yeah. then you're like oh whoa 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 incoming this is a big old ship getting ready for a dead drop um what is this what is happening here madison jeffries can reconstitute non-organic materials into anything including optimus prime lookalikes okay got it because at first i i went at the beginning of the page i was like why does that look like a giant orphan maker it kind of looks like it actually, especially when you see them on the same page. Yeah. It very much so looks like Orphan Maker, yeah. but also Optimus Prime. Right. Optimus Orphan Maker. I like it. <laughs> so she awakens, Dr. Barrington awakens her little pet project. Creation. Listen to me, Commander Kruger. What? Who's Was that, that my name? I don't recognize it anymore. So Commander Kruger... I looked into it. I think it was actually in issue five of Children of the Atom. She just disappears and, and Storm was chasing after her. She just got into like a tube and then opened the tube and she's not there anymore. Like some kind of cheap magic trick. Oh. I don't know what happened. I'm assuming that we're going to find out throughout the course of this arc. Well, it does seem as though what this doctor has been doing is sucking the powers of oh, yeah. these mutants and feeding them into... And it's just, again, another moment where I get so frustrated because you're going to be so down on mutants and you're going to talk about how terrible they are and then you're just going to literally make yourself or someone else into one. It's all about jealousy. It's all about they're terrible because they have things that I want or they're better than me 
right. in a way that like, I... You're calling them freaks and you're saying they're like a menace to society and then you want to be them. Right. Like, it, it makes me want to like shake my fists in the air. It's so frustrating. Sure. So hypocritical. Exiles arise. Oh, yeah. That's dope. Into that. Oh, yeah. Our team lineup. So we've got our, our, our square off as we're ready for our fight. This creation power combo coming at them. She's got all sorts of tech. Being able to shoot out of her eyes, being able to redirect bullets back to them. She's got like force field energy. Somehow Dr. Barrington seems to be able to see through her. Yeah, like what is this her what is her ability to sense which mutant she wants? I don't know. Is she using a power that is able to detect mutant abilities? I don't know. Oh, cut to Sabretooth. Oh, oh my gosh, this Ugh. getting out. Come on. This is just one of those moments where I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. I I love you, Sabretooth. Like, I will bash my whole skull open just to get out of here. Well, it's interesting, too, as a parallel to Wolverine, this idea of fluency in pain, right? Mm -hmm. Beast talks about that to Wolverine and the fact that Wolverine and Sabretooth are often considered right. so similar or so alike that Sabretooth essentially using it as his strength to break out of this containment unit. The mm -hmm. blood everywhere as he smashes his skull through that glass. Third eye creeping, creeping in on that Dr. Barrington brain. Right, which I don't know if we've seen him do this. We've seen him do something like this in mm -hmm. the pit where he's able to move through consciousness and, and through while everyone else was suspended. But to be able to stick his hand through and, and the detail of him having previously used this to kill people. Mm -hmm. but not doing that now well you messed up third eye right you should have killed this woman right she the worst and and just the the way that she knows that he knows stuff but doesn't know how much he knows right you know and thinks like oh well, he read my entire mind but i could just destroy my ship and that's fine no he knows everything now and plus Sabretooth gets some info of his own oh Sabretooth. Well, I'm going to have to cut through this, and it's going to make me even more bloody, but it's fine because I'll heal. I'm free now. And I'm going to eat these little Deadpool goons. <laughs> That's exactly what I called them. He's so excited, too. I love the little smile. I've missed this. Oh, like this, this is the kind of stuff that I was missing out on in the pit all these years. Oh, I accidentally got spoiled on this. That it was Orphan Maker? That it was Orphan Maker that got picked up and captured. Yeah, it was a stupid I think, screen rant article. It was. Oh, man. They specifically say Orphan Maker captured. It's like, why would you do that? It's Wednesday. What are you doing? Yeah, that's messed up. Oh, man. Don't worry. I'll come to you because we're self-destructing everything. Well, I love Sabretooth. Well, this isn't great, but that's cool. I'm just going to get a little bit of information before I go. And this ship is going to explode. But look at me. I'm in a bubble, a protected bubble with this other ship that I stole. Right. And the authorization key, Dr. Moreau. So Dr. Moreau is David Moreau, the gene engineer from way back in Genosha before it was a mutant island. Oh, and it was like him doing experiments on 
mutants and, and making them essentially lose their identity and become mutates. Oh, I'm, I mean, I, I got to the point over here where I saw that I didn't see. Where do you see the name? That was on the page before. That's the authorization key that Dr. Barrington gives to initiate the self-destruct sequence of the base on the last I panel. I see. Because then when Sabretooth sees it. A general contractor who, oh, not you. So I don't know if it's the same person. I don't know if it's someone associated with Weapon X. Yeah. You know, I don't I don't know that Sabretooth would have that kind of response to the Gene Engineer. I don't know that he necessarily knew him to that degree. Mm. Yeah, because it's definitely someone that frightens Sabretooth in a way. Like you can tell in his face. He doesn't feel great about whatever he's seeing on that screen. But he finds his ship. They held it. Well, it's not his ship. Well, it's his ship. Pirate rules. It's his <laughs> ship. And he's being friendly. Hey, you know, it's you my blood. You guys need a rider. Don't be weird. It's my blood. Who cares? <laughs> like, I, I, Yeah, I murdered a couple guys. So what? It's fine. Get on the boat. We got things to do. The Peter Principle. <sighs> I really like just to call it out on the pages before that when they're they're talking back and forth and... Nanny says, no, dear, you don't understand. No one on the planet will survive. And the amount that they talk about just how devastating Orphan Maker's powers are. Right. And it's only really ever been hinted at in Hellions previously. Mm-hmm. In, I think, a data page about like, oh, his, I think it was Xavier saying, I love to see that everyone is a gift or, a, you know, a welcome addition to the mutant society but peter's mutant gift is a curse and right. needs to be contained oh gosh big picture i was waiting i was like when are you gonna say big picture there you go big picture big picture whoa great i mean this just jumps right in where yeah. the last arc left off there's no need like we get the the information that you need if you hadn't remembered or you didn't read before but you you're in the action we're getting to see different sides of orcus we're really developing this dr barrington character we we knew that you know in the end of the last one we knew it was like station six and we knew there were other ones but we didn't get to know a lot about those other facilities and now to know that all of these facilities are doing something similar to this and that there's this whole network and seeing, you know, and thinking about resurrection and this idea that they're rebuilding the society that was wiped out. You remember the last page of Sabretooth number five, where he is essentially the Professor Xavier of this prison right. in the wheelchair. And he's like, to me, my exiles or something yeah. like that. And it's like a full room of mutants. Yeah. And to even just see they have how many powers in this Commander Kruger right. successfully adapted. How and many, then how many failed. Right, right. right. It's not. It's not great. Yeah. 
But the Zishu was really good. Yeah, yes, the Zishu was fantastic. When I feel like this, it's it's similar to how you feel about Beast, but it's less conflicting because you expect it from Orcus, Mm -hmm. right? Oh, no, this is classic Orcus doing Orcus stuff, just doubling down and making it more bad. Right, it makes you feel disgusting to your core. That's Orcus. Yeah, but also it checks out. You know, that tracks. It's just who they are. That's what they've been doing. And... It just picked up all the energy from the end of Sabretooth and took it up a few notches, like really getting to explore Orcus, their new partnership with Dr. Barrington. She feels like the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Just the way that she's talking about this, it, it just feels like she's so cold to any kind of emotion for these as people. It's interesting that you say that she's the she feels like the worst of the worst because all of them. Like all of Orcus, like think about Dr. Stasis, the worst of the worst, you know, it's like they are just compiling the most emotionless, ruthless, disgusting human beings. Yeah. It's crazy. And also like what's her relationship to this person? Like why is why did she choose them to be the one that is... I don't essentially know. Resurrected in this I don't know way. if either of them had previously appeared, right? So this outside of Children of the Atom mm-hmm. four and five, I don't recognize them as other characters. It might still be, but it. I believe it's just Victor expanding what could be the untold story of these two characters. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how they. Right, that's just like one right, thing right. I wonder. Like, why does she need to bring this person back? You know, what is their connection? I don't know. It's just, that was her military ops. You know, that was someone that was in the field with her. Who's your favorite of the Exiles team? Oh, man. I'm curious From about... Does Sabretooth count? Or is he... No. He's not the Exiles. Right, Nanny. Nanny. Then it's Nanny. Yeah, yeah. I'm really curious about Third Eye because I just feel like that that was the I believe the only original mutant added to this lineup, mm. and so the creator has full reign of what he wants to introduce, and it feels like he's done a a good amount of work with mm. Third Eye's capabilities and how they differ from other mental power users, right? But yes, Nanny is obviously an MVP from her time at Hellions and just the character dynamic that it's she just, adds. It's just, You yes. sleep when I sleep. It's just her ridiculousness. Yes. You sleep when I sleep, Peter. I'm not asleep. Wake up. Yeah. Uh, Crazy. Love it. If Who this is, is your favorite? Is Nanny, is Nanny your number one? I don't know. Or you think it's third eye? I think it might be third eye just because I'm curious. I feel like Nanny is, if I'm saying like, okay, I know what Nanny can be. <laughs> Nanny would not have been my answer if I had not read Hellions, Mm. right? So Nanny is carrying with her all of the energy that Hellions built up, which is a great dynamic to have. Right. To have both Nanny and Orphan Maker be unheard of since the end of that story Mm -hmm. leaves them primed to be able to jump into this with all of that character energy. I feel like it's it might be Nanny, but I'm very curious about Third Eye. Yeah. Like I just I love his look, I love his powers, I love his mystery backstory. Yeah. He definitely is a very interesting character. No no real problem with Toad, but I don't really care about Toad. 
I like what Melter's going through, but he's fine. Madison Jeffries feels like he's there. Mm-hmm. Necra and Oya. I like Oya as a character, but she's not really pulling to me. Yeah, that's everybody, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's a quiz I wasn't ready for. Yeah, that's all. Warline's loving how Sabretooth and the Exiles has nothing to do with the multiversal shenanigans, despite being called Exiles. Mm. So the Exiles previously, and it involved Sabretooth as well, were different characters from different multiverse, different universes, ah. different realities that were a team that would hop across different universes. Interesting. Yeah. That was uh, really good. I like this version of the. Oh exiles. yeah, yeah. Like, and I just cool I like the wordplay, and I like how this is built from that. Like mm-hmm. th- they are exiled from Krakoa, and they are teaming up because of that. Also, X hyphen Isle, right, as the title of the issue or mm-hmm. the, the secondary title. To have this Isle, this island of all these dead mutants. Just resurrect them all. Sure. Yeah. Right. How does that work? How do you, do you have all of them packed up? Do you use the Elysium fields? I don't know, man. That's so many, though. Do you have any questions or anything that you're curious about? Anything you're excited about from this title going forward? I am excited about the thought that there are these other stations, and I wonder if the team will journey to these other stations and pick up other team members on the way hmm. or other mutants. And, like, who could be lingering or who could be captive in these other stations and what we'll learn about them yeah yeah i don't know that's interesting that's cool i want to see Sabretooth lead mm. in, in in this capacity that he's set up to do i just feel like that is a story that i'm excited for for him and yeah. especially with the information they've now gathered about what's out there yeah, yeah. i definitely like seeing Sabretooth. Be free to be Sabretooth and, and, but also somewhat of a hero. Right, right. Right. With this like hero twist. I'm into it. That's all we got. That's it, folks. Long what's, episode, but a good one. What's coming next week? It's a light week compared okay, to this good. week. We need this kind of balance. You know? I, I would rather have had one or two of these you be over say there. say that all the time. And guess what? Marvel doesn't care what they you want. They don't care. They don't care what I want. <laughs> Gambit number five of five. Oh, no. The final Gambit. Bummer. And Immortal X-Men. Oh, yes. Number eight with Mystique and Destiny on the cover. Oh, yeah. And that's the one where they're going to go back in time. And from a preview panel that I posted on Monday, it looks like a first meeting with Nathaniel Essex. Yes. Of the three of them. Yes. Wait. Can't. Wait. I think I'm also going to pick up Gold Goblin. I don't know. I'm on the fence with this. So, Ooh, the spider. I mean, I'll say it just so you know. So, Gold Goblin, a issue or two of them will tie into Dark Web. Yes. I remember that from the panel. Gold Goblin is Norman Osborn. Yes. His first appearance in the suit was in this week's Amazing Spider Man number 13. Well, then. And it also just connects to. His sins haven't been taken away by the Sin Eater. Also interesting that those sins are basically the mental data that creates the Queen Goblin. Can I say something? Sure. This is what I have to say. Yeah. You know how we had this conversation earlier about 
me wanting to read all the issues of Judgment Day because I wanted to fully experience Judgment Day. Like, what you're saying to me right now, like, oh, Gold Goblin is going to play into Dark Web. That's fine. I'll read Gold Goblin when he's in Dark Web. And as I've learned, I don't need to read all of Gold Goblin to I mean, understand. It, 100%. 100%. <laughs> I'm, I'm falling into the same thing that we just, just went through. You're using dark web as an excuse to allow yourself to read these other comics it's and the same i want thing. you to let that be but don't it's the same get thing like me in i it. had no reason to read venom 13 like this was not i don't like what venom's doing if you do that's great i don't like what's going on in venom currently with this different time points of eddie it's very convoluted it's very i tried on mm-hmm. marvel unlimited and you know, the for the, the couple of pages at the end, we we're like, oh, yeah, we're also in limbo. And there's this mysterious woman in, in the carriage that's controlling all these goblins. Mm-hmm. And the last page reveal, oh, it's Madeline. Only pages relevant to any of my interests. But I got suckered in. Mm-hmm. I got suckered in. It's fine. It's not. I'm just saying, like, you don't have to justify it by saying dark web. Just say that you... You've fallen back into Spider-Man comics, and that's okay. He doesn't want to admit it, but he knows I'm right. We'll see. Okay. We'll well, that's see. it. That's it. That's so, it. you know, maybe you won't read Gold Goblin, but I'll tell you what's happening. That I think sounds good. You would enjoy Mary Jane and Black Cat. I feel like you would, because that's going to be a mini that will feature heavily in Dark Web. Yes. And I read the one shot that tied into the Beyond storyline. And that was really good. It's by the same writer. Fantastic. Well, that's it. Until next time, old friend. Charles in charge of our minds no. and our lives. Never. Charles in charge Definitely of not. our wrongs and our rights. Definitely of the wrongs. He probably was in control of those. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan.